Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Here we go. Trade deadline happening 3 p.m. Eastern Time. NBA. Of course, there's chaos. Anytime you think something's going to be quiet or it's going to take a little while to, to, to come together, the, the NBA just does NBA things. Uh, perfect example. Yesterday. And yes, I'm going to vent. Even though this is the opening to Keeping It 94, your favorite NBA podcast with Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. Of course, ba- brought to you by uh, the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Yesterday, I have to vent. I have to vent on what happened. I'm recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, uh, about 53 to 54 hours ahead of the trade deadline. It's a Tuesday morning. Weeks ahead, weeks ahead, I block off the 48-hour period where I know things happen. Currently, like right now, or when the deals happen. So I uh, scheduled a haircut. I went and got a haircut. But before I left to get a haircut, oh, CJ McCollum traded over to the Pelicans. I was like, ah, geez, that sucks. So I'm getting my haircut. It's a very long haircut, by the way. Shout out to City Breaks, Parma. Do an excellent job. But after that, I get out of the chair. I go into my car. It's about 12.15. Um, just heading out to run some errands. Because, again, I'm doing these ahead of the trade deadline. I'm doing it making sure that I'm prepared fully 48 hours in, in advance. Not 50, whatever the hell it was. I, I thought I gave myself enough time. Long story short, I didn't. Because, oh, here we go. The Pacers and the Kings, who we knew were going to be the most active teams at this deadline, do a complete swapping. Domas Sabonis goes to Sacramento. Tyrese Halliburton goes to the Pacers. Buddy Heald's finally out of Sacramento, too. So there's that blockbuster deal. Mind you, this happens the minute that I get into the press conference for Karis LeVert's introduction as a Cavalier. It all happens, and it all compounded within about a three-hour span. Needless to say, my eyes hurt. I didn't eat for that period. I don't think I ate anything to start the day until like 4 p.m. maybe. Had a podcast appearance after that. It was a wild, wild Tuesday. And we're going to react to those trades that happened later on in this podcast. 
But of course, we're not done yet. We've got our NBA trade deadline show coming up on Thursday at 1 p.m. Basketballnews.com live stream. Of course, brought to you by Ticket Smarter and Prize Picks. Love our guys. I'm with Ticket Smarter. You can go to the hottest concerts, sports, theater, and family shows near you. Get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. Later in the show, we'll give you our prize picks. Didn't go so well for me again last week, but we'll get to that. What I wanted to start the show with, though, before I let Brian talk, because I'm still vetting, damn it. I'm not done yet. I am not done. It is just... The trade deadline used to be my favorite, favorite time of year. And maybe it's because I've been doing this for a number of years now. And yes, I'm aging myself. I enter my third decade in about a month and a half. Spoiler alert. I think it's because... We know that a lot of these rumors never come to fruition, and obviously Tuesday was the exception to that rule. But here we are again, the cat and mouse game, talking about Ben Simmons, talking about James Harden. Steve Nash came out on record publicly a few days ago saying, no, we're not trading James Harden. And you always take those public words with a grain of salt. But you'd think that would be a little assuring to the situation. But no, here comes here comes Brian Winhurst talking about how James Harden has basically quit on the team is is what his reporting is saying. I you know, there's there's rumors about how, you know, he's kind of mailed it in here uh, as of late, which I have an I have a more damning opinion on that stuff um and that particular situation more than I do with the Ben Simmons stuff. But the reason I get so upset and so annoyed is because it's just back and forth, back and forth posturing. Uh, You have executives lying through their teeth. You have agents stirring things up. Like, I like, I think that when you have a a good balance between your drama and the encore product, it's good. And the encore product right now is incredible. You watch the Phoenix Suns, the way that they dominated this league this year. You look at what Milwaukee just did to the Lakers last night and what they've done to their competition as far as, as contenders go. Then, like, pay attention to that stuff, please. Not hypotheticals. Hypotheticals drive me insane. Now, if this actually happens, then yeah, you got to talk about it. And we're going to address it right now. So, Brian... Please let me exhale. Let me take a drink of water. And you give your opinion here as the Ben Simmons, James Harden sweepstakes and talks of a swap continue on before the trade deadline. I know how much you enjoy talking about Ben Simmons trade rumors. So this, I should have laid out for you even more on this, but I know that you want to catch your breath. But... It, it's a weird situation when it comes to all of this because I think for the most part, after what happened in the offseason, the beginning of the season, all the posturing that went on, everybody thought, like, sooner or later, this Ben Simmons deal will get done. But Daryl Morey, 
is a guy that's going to stand by what he believes when it comes to value for Simmons. And as the season has gone on, I think a lot of people believed like, well, this will resolve itself after the season. You know, the Sixers are going to have to put up with this ordeal for an entire season, and then they'll see what they can do afterwards and what kind of value that Simmons has. And there's continued to be some rumors about him going to different places, including like Sacramento, because we've been talking about that forever and throwing out kind of what we think the the trade would have been there. We each had our own version of that, but obviously that's out the door now. And, you know, as time has gone on, the situation with James Harden, I want to say it came out of nowhere, but probably didn't because this is just kind of what James does and that he reads the situation. And I think he went to Brooklyn in earnest in that, I can be a part of this team with Kyrie Irving and with Kevin Durant. And I can be one of the main cogs, but at the same time, I don't have to carry the load. I can still put up numbers, but there's two other guys that I can lean on. We can lean on one another and we can win a championship. But that has not worked out. Last year, there were injuries uh, to himself and to Kyrie and those things happen. But then this year, You know, there's been injuries as well um, with Kevin Durant now out. Harden's been dealing with a hamstring injury throughout the season. That goes back to last season. Joe Harris missing time, and he was going to be a big part of this team. The shooting is off on that team. Uh, Blake Griffin is not the player he was last year. Um, And then you have the Kyrie Irving situation. You know, with him not getting vaccinated, missing most of the games, now only playing road games, the chemistry is totally off on that team. And you start to think when it comes to Harden that he's sitting there going, you know what, I wanted to make it work here, but it's just not going to work here. This is not what I envisioned. And he has this relationship with Daryl Morey and other people in the Sixers front office. And I don't doubt that he has told his agent and has told other people through back channeling and whatever means, hey, if you can get me over there, let's do it. And yeah, things can happen in the offseason. And it gets a little trickier than or possibly could because the Sixers could give him in free agency but would have to gut their team. Uh, you know, they could trade for him if they could agree to a sign and trade. But the easiest way to do it and the way to rip the Band-Aid off, quite honestly, of all this drama is to do it right now. Because Harden's going to be a free agent in the offseason. But we know where he wants to go. This isn't a surprise at this point. We know he wants to be part of the Sixers. And what it comes down to now is, are the Sixers and the Nets both willing to put different things aside and said, hey, let's get this done right now. Let's work out something. And that's that's not easy because there's egos that are involved. There's a whole thing of Harden is a part of our team right now, and we're trying to win a championship, and we're not just going to give them to you. Uh, there's also, you know, when it comes to a possible trade that the Sixers would have to include even more to make the money work. And I'm sure that uh, they don't want to do that. Um, There's a whole thing about, do the Nets even want Ben Simmons? Even though a lot of people think that Ben there, in the right frame of mind, would be an amazing addition to that team. And exactly what they need. Especially if they have a healthy 
Kevin Durant, and a healthy Kyrie Irving. Oh, and by the way, when it comes to drama with that team, KD was the first one to sign the long-term extension. Harden can become a free agent in the offseason, and so can Kyrie. He can opt out and he can leave. So there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of talk here, there, and everywhere. You mentioned Brian Windhorse kind of throwing things out there when it says like, hey, these two teams are talking, and there's other people that say that. There's others that say no. There, there are no conversations going on at all, not even through back-channeling. Like, Woj is now even disputing his own ESPN colleague, Brian <laughs> Windhorse, in this whole thing, <laughs> which is amazing. So see, this is this is exactly what I'm talking about, though. It's just a bunch of drama and gossip. I didn't enter the world of entertainment tonight. But this like, is I'm what not, happens. I'm not in TMZ. I I am a basketball reporter. This is what I hate. But this is what happens in this era of NBA fandom and add in social media. Because there's been for years on end, there's always been talk and speculation and different things when it comes to the NBA trade deadline and the offseason. However, that information was not given out to the public a lot, or a lot of it wasn't even known. And we didn't have social media either. So you add all that in and everybody can add their own idea. And there's so many other people that think that they have the scoop on something. Um, and then others just going out the rumors and speculation and whatnot. And you get this. And the rush to be first on everything. Exactly. And you get this vibrant conversation that spirals out of control. And here's the other thing, too. And it's funny because we were talking about this the other day. Like, you know, people could talk about trades and it could be fun for some people and speculation and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, you know, 95% of the trades that happen at the deadline. And that's of the few that do happen, considering all the speculation that happens that's out there. But almost all of these trades do not have an effect on who wins the championship in that season. That's what I'm trying to say. And especially, that especially goes for contenders. What they do is they add pieces on the edges. They add depth. Maybe they address a need in a starting lineup, sure. But they're not adding the the thing, they're the the player that's going to be a superstar or all-star or anything like that. That's so rare. And that's what I – one conversation that I want to bring up over here because it's been eating me alive with these Nets. And I wrote this article prior to the 2020 season. So we know in the bubble that Kyrie wasn't exactly a fan of, of Kenny Atkinson. And actually, it was pre-bubble that Jock Vaughn was hired as the interim head coach there. And then they brought in Steve Nash. Uh, and then, you know, Kyrie and KD were already there, but KD was getting healthy. So you had a legitimate core. You're looking there of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Karis LeVert. I know Spencer Dinwiddie was hurt, but he was still on the roster. Jared Allen, Joe Harris. These are guys that got Brooklyn to that point. And then they went and got greedy. It was it, the way that I think I reacted to this trade too at the time was that's overkill. That's absolute overkill to sell off all the assets that you had and basically slap your young guys in the face that got you to the point 
of being able to court a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving. Maybe it wasn't just the big market appeal. Maybe it was also because the team was in a good place. And then you go out and you literally just get rid of them all, other than Joe Harris. Joe Harris is the only one left from that era. I still think that the Kenny Atkinson firing was extremely dumb. And I have a lot of respect for Sean Marks. I think he did an amazing job at helping turn the thing around. But there's just this thing where teams get greedy like that because they're they're stuck in this mindset that you have to have a big three in order to win a championship, which is complete bogus. It's absolutely bogus. Look at the teams that are at the top of the league right now, man. Like, I don't, I don't see big three in, in Chicago. I don't see a quote-unquote big three where you have to have guys that all won MVPs. I see all, all-star caliber talent, don't get me wrong. But there's a way to balance that out. There's a way to do it perfectly. The Suns is a perfect example for me, the way that they did. They didn't say screw you to Mikel Bridges and to DeAndre Ayton and to Cam Johnson. They got Chris Paul by trading somebody that wasn't originally a part of their young core and added that to what they had already budding there with obviously Devin Booker was the head of the snake at the time. There's a way to calculate this. There's a way to make teams better without having to go the all-in and let's fill the rest of the roster out with a bunch of rookies and minimum contracts. And I know that you know that reality. But I'm going to to stay on this tangent uh, because there's another thing that I would like to get your opinion on. And that is... Why is it, and I tweeted this on on Tuesday night, why is it that the gap between teams achieving the highest of heights and then sinking to the lowest of lows seems to be decreasing? Why is it that it happens so fast now? Why is the fall so fast now? Because I feel like you can say that not only just the NBA, but you can look you know around sports and stuff like that. And I I genuinely want to know why teams abandon things so quickly. And that goes for players and teams, by the way. I shouldn't just say teams. That's players. That's teams. Um, You you see executives abandoning ship right uh, within a year now that you're seeing with this Harden thing. It's ridiculous. And and, and I'm thinking to myself, too, does James Harden really not see the big picture here? Does he not see that they're not playing with Kevin Durant? Does he not see that? That Kyrie Irving can only play less than half their games. I know that that's also extenuating circumstance, and I understand the frustration with that one. But but are, is he that blind to not understand that when Kevin Durant was playing, they were one of the best teams in the league? Wow, I sound like Soundfeld there. But still, like it's just it's driving me nuts, man. Like I don't know, and I feel like I'm turning into my father. I'm becoming old school. I don't know what's going on, but. It's just, it, 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 sports society, man, is just driving me insane right now. And it, it just, it bleeds over into to, to everything sports. Like, I, it's just driving me nuts, man. It's amazing how quick things can change, though, like you said, and how quickly teams abandon uh, certain things they're, they're going to do or how they kind of just, you know, do a 180 on different things. Because 
Remember, you know, when you talk about the situation that's going on with the Nets and, you know, why does not Harden believe in it? I mean, maybe it's because he looks at that roster and goes, this isn't clicking like it was last year. And now, you know, we've got this Kyrie issue to work with because he's only going to play road games. And that's probably not going to change until after the season. Uh, you know, I don't know if Kyrie is going to stay. Uh, you know, I'm coming up on free agency and, you know, I'd like to get someplace now and get locked in, you know, or go to my next destination and get locked in there. Um, and there's things that he maybe he knows behind the scenes that we are not privy to that he just doesn't feel comfortable with. I mean, when you talk about teams changing so quickly, you know, go back to the Lakers win a championship two seasons ago to begin the next season, which was last season. I believe they were, man, they were something like 25 and 13 and were rolling, maybe even a better record than that before uh, LeBron got injured. And then Anthony Davis got injured. And then there was all the drama about those guys coming back and what did they do to their bigs? And there was all these problems that got manifested because of that. And then, you know, they had the Suns on the ropes in the playoffs before AD got injured again. And this was even with LeBron, not even at full strength. But yet, even after that, even after they won with that core and they were winning with that core before the injuries the following season, this past season, they decided to abandon that and said, we're going to scrap all of this and go in a different direction. And we're going to trade multiple parts and our team identity to go get, you know, that quote unquote third superstar. That's and, what I'm saying. And this is what teams exactly do. And this is what, what I'm saying. This is why that fall happens so quickly because teams gamble so much, the desperation that's on some teams, and also with it, the expectations. Oh, we should be better. So let's do something big. Let's try to do an instant fix. Let's try it. And they take too big of a swing and they don't sit back there and just say like, oh, this has worked for us. And I understand trying to be like, we need to make some changes because we're, you know, forward thinking. But so many different times that forward thinking is tinkering too much with what is already a good thing. And you're sacrificing too much for what I think is going to be good for us in the future than what's good for us now. What has Preaching. been working for us now? We've got good chemistry. We've got good pieces. We've won with this. You know, for some teams, it's just like we've won, but we haven't won the big one. Okay. So is that a tweak around the edge? Like a team like Phoenix, and they might make a tweak here or um, some other teams that are like that. You know, if you're a team like Utah, do you feel like you're close and you make a tweak? Or that's a that's a team that's that's been together for a while and has not won. Maybe it is time to make a big change. Now, if you're going to make a big change, I would always say you don't make it during the season unless you're just bottoming out. You make it in the offseason because yes. there's – Chicago, it, prime example. Exactly. Of a team that it's made easier a lot to plan changes. around that. It's yes. easier to shape your team going into the season to do it, to make a big change, especially for a team that really believes they can win during the season. It is so hard to develop that chemistry and everything goes with it. And especially these days where he has limited practices in the NBA, very, very limited number of practices. 
So, and we, we've seen this happen. I mean, hey, you talk about precipitous falls. Who knows what's going to happen with the Nets the rest of the season, especially if they get healthy or what's going on with Harden and whatnot. But this is a team that not too long ago was the top of the Eastern Conference. And as we're talking right now, they're eighth in the East. Eighth. Okay, you look at the Lakers right now. They're ninth in the West. They're ninth. Tinker, tinker, tinker. Tinker, tinker, tinker. You know that, what? I was, that, try, I was exactly trying to look it up. And I, I can't remember. I, I think I have this information right because I was looking at, you know, the Lakers having to ship out their pick. And it says they ship out their 2022 pick. First round pick to New Orleans, protected for selections one through 30, or to Memphis, protected selections one to 10. Okay. So if the Lakers get a top 10 pick, do they keep it? I can make an argument they should tank. Oh God! See now that that's that's just wild. That is like, absolutely I, I wild, why. and we can get into the Lakers situation later, and we, we can talk about all the trades and stuff right now. But yeah. just to, just to put a bow on on this topic, it's just like that's what happens. Like GMs get so like is continuity not a thing anymore? Like what what happened with Cleveland the last three years? They were terrible. They were at the bottom of the barrel. And yeah, some of that stuff was kind of out of their hands, but they were just making these sneaky moves, little sneaky move here, sneaky move there. And they take advantage Second of other teams when there. they can. Oh, Second oh, oh you don't want Jared Allen? We'll take him. Send him our way. Send him our way, you know? But it's it's a little bit different for different franchises, though, because like with the Lakers and with the Nets, they're kind of quote unquote glamour franchises where they can attract free agents a little bit easier. Cleveland AKA is not in that a big boat. city. Yeah, Cleveland yep. is not in that boat. So for mm-hmm. them to attract free agents, it's tougher. So they got to do. Yes. They got to be better when it comes to drafting. They got to do better when it comes to trades. They got to be better when, hey, let's you know take advantage of a situation here and take on something from the future. Oh, we can, we you know this is what the Thunder are probably going to do before the trade deadline. Hey, we got cap space. Somebody want to dump something here and give us a pick or give us an asset for the future? Yeah, we yep. can do that. You know, you have to take advantage of those moments. Cleveland does that. You know, Memphis is another team that believes in continuity and the same head coach and no wholesale changes. Like, I feel like I have the same argument with myself every single day. And I know that we're not getting to the playoffs time yet. And this could all change. Like, we could still see some miraculous way that one of these teams that was super active in the offseason ends up being in the, you know, the, the, the final two standing. But it just drives me nuts, man. Like, I don't see why, I don't know, you know, teams, players, what have you, at the first sight of adversity are just running away, just running away and saying, okay, let's go somewhere else. Because the cycle is going to repeat itself. If, if James Harden ends up in Philly, the cycle is going to repeat itself. The reputation is there already, is it not? It is. Like, let's, well, let's talk about that real quick then, okay? Because of all the... The rumor and conjecture and whatnot, you know, is some people, like I said, you know, said that they're back channeling and Woj is now saying right now there's no negotiation going on between Philly and Brooklyn. The idea they're going back and forth has been surmised by some. I don't believe that to be accurate. However, there is a little bit of smoke here. So what what's your take on this? Do you think we're actually going to see a Simmons Harden trade before the deadline? I don't think so. I don't think so. And and by the way, like when I say that about Harden, that's based on the reports that have come up over the years. I don't know the dude 
You know, half the guys in this league, we don't know. But based on the reporting, that is why I'm reacting the way it is. And when you look at the evidence, too, uh, of what happened in Houston, the way that he ended that tenure, um, the way that he's currently reportedly trying to end his tenure in Brooklyn, well, it's it not a good look. It's not it, a good look. It doesn't help that, grind. you yeah. know, when it comes to the day of the game um, against the Celtics on Tuesday, that early in the day, they practice and everybody's like, hey, James looks great. I think he might play tonight. And then James, as he's walking out, tells reporters, nope, I'm out. I'm not playing tonight. Still dealing with my hamstring. So, I mean, there, there's there's some people that will make you wonder, like, is it legit? Because he has deal, been dealing with hamstring stuff all season, going back to last year. Or is this James just doesn't want to play and he's trying to get past all the, the hoopla that's going on? It could be a mixture of both of them. Being honest, I mean, we d- sure. did discuss this on Monday about how James Harden's played a career over 36,000 minutes total um, and that it's eventually going to, you know, catch up to him. But that's, I mean, that's a different conversation, but I don't know. I just, the, the mentality of the current sports player, and yes, you have to, to look out for yourself and you have to know, uh, you know, this isn't even a loyalty argument. This is about attitudes like there's a difference between looking out for yourself and also just pouting you know like there's a difference there, there's mean, absolutely a difference we could sit here and talk about chasing a ring but what is going on with james harden's reputation in that he is a guy that is just willing to float everywhere around this league looking for happiness it's not even just a championship it's happiness you can't achieve happiness without having to go through some Tough times. Right. Like, it, I, it just it doesn't happen. That's also it, life. That's not just basketball. And we're at a point now in James Harden's career where he's played, what, happiness. four years or, or 14 years or however many years it's been. Um, Harden now is 32 years old. He's going to be 33 in August. And he's going to be willing to get a max deal on a guy who is still not in shape this year. His game is starting to change. He has good nights. He has bad nights. And do you really want to make an investment of four or five years of max dollars? We're talking over $230 million to a guy that is going to be in his mid-30s pretty quickly. And we can see that his game is starting to change. And you wonder, like, okay, can his game hold on? Is that just an aberration of what we're seeing? Or is it going to fall off a cliff? Yeah, I I don't know, but it just it, it disappoints me. I know that I'm going it after him. It just it disappoints me to to know that you know at the at the first sight of you know adversity and stuff like that, these these teams and these players just decide to wrap it up and mail it in instead of you know kind of attacking the problem or you know uh, having the patience to wait a little bit for things to kind of mesh. You know, I don't I don't know. It it all comes back to the same argument, but I'm glad that you at least talked about um, you know this situation because we didn't even address the Ben Simmons part. Uh, but I feel like we've talked about that. Well, let me ad mention. Nauseam. Let me let me put ad one nauseam. thing about that. I'm with you. I don't think anything is going to happen. However, I do think we'll see what happens in the off season. I don't know if the Nets are going to do any better than Ben Simmons. And I'd be fascinated to see 
a team that has Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons on it. Yeah. No, I would happen to agree with you there. And um, I don't think they're going to do any better for Harden in the offseason. If they if Harden says, I'm going to leave, I mean, it. that's the happiest situation from a standpoint. Like, Harden's not going to go to another team if he leaves. And um, I don't know where else Ben could be happier. And I don't think, you know, Philly's going to have to, you know, gut their team, you know, otherwise to make it happen in free agency. So it's kind of a win-win, but I mean, the Nets at the same time, I think are going to bite their lip and go, and this is not the way that we want to conduct business. <laughs> this is not the way we want things to go <laughs> down. And we, especially with another team in our division, in our conference, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, we've addressed who must, he who, wait, he who must not be named. Okay, Ben Simmons. We've addressed him ad nauseum on this podcast. And by God, if Daryl Morey does not trade this dude by the deadline Thursday, I'm not saying his name again until the summer. Book it. Book it. I don't care what comes out. I will not say his name. Okay. Now, let's go on to something that I know I can't win. Prize picks. Our friends over at Price Picks, all users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on Price Picks will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to $100. Make sure you sign up at the link, app.pricepicks.com, promo code NEWS. I've got three players for this one, and Brian does as well. I'll just get mine out of the way. Not going to even tell you why, because uh, at this point, trying to put logic towards any of this is not working. So you're just going to throw darts in this situation. We both lost especially, last week. Let's be fair especially, about it. We both lost. Especially with the deadline looming. I just don't know. So, uh, yeah, I'm going points, rebounds, assists for all three of these picks. Uh, so this is over-unders, okay? I'm going to take the over 31.5 on Miles Bridges against the Chicago Bulls. I think that's going to be a fast-paced game with... A lot of scoring. A lot of scoring is the way that I see that one unraveling. A lot of transition. So over 31.5 points, rebounds, assists for Miles Bridges. Zach Levine, 35.5 point rebounds and assists. And then uh, a random poll here. Hopefully Brian got it in before they changed this number because it could make a very, very big difference if Brian submitted that in time. Patrick Beverly, when I saw it, 20 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. I took the under on that against the Sacramento Kings. That number has now dwindled down to 19.5. So this could be very interesting. If Brian got this in for me, maybe that's a winner. Maybe they saw that that was a little too high for Mr. Patrick Beverly. But this is the second matchup between the Kings and the Wolves um, in two nights. So we'll see how that goes. And I'll hand it over to Mr. Brian. And of course, I did get it in in time. So you have him at under 20 and a half. Woo! My three. And I also went points, rebounds, assists on all three of my picks. I have Steph Curry over 37 and a half with the Warriors taking on the Jazz. I have Josh Giddy over 25 and a half with the Thunder taking on the Raptors. And. I have Anthony Davis over 34 and a half with the Lakers taking on the Portland Trailblazers. 
Because you probably, even with that game, so I did not want to touch that game. <laughs> Just knowing, you know, I don't know if if Portland's, you know, players are going to be active or whatnot. Um, I just know that they're a mess right now. They just got kind of embarrassed by the magic. But by the way, good on Orlando. I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from that young scrappy squad right now. But uh, Portland's in a bad way. <laughs> Portland's in a bad way right now. Yeah. That actually is but AD, probably a perfect segue. But AD um, can get 23 and 12, I would think, oh, and yeah. he hits that in number. In his sleep. In so his sleep. That's why I was like, I'll, I'll happily take that for the dysfunctional Lakers. Fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Remember, that is prizepicks.com. All users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Make sure to sign up. And now we get to react to the things that actually happened. So there were four trades sparked by last week. The first one being a Pelican, not Pelicans, Blazers and Clippers trade. There's Hold on, we have breaking news. We have breaking news, Spinny. What a trade. The Utah Jazz are acquiring Portland's Nikhil Alexander-Walker and the Spurs' Juancho Hernan Gomez in a three-way deal. The Spurs get guard Tomas Sonoransky in a second-round pick, and the Blazers get Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes in a second-round pick. Make that five moves, guys. Five moves have happened now. All right. At least something happened. I don't know. That would get you excited. I don't know anymore. Woohoo! Let's say uh, one of our more minor trades that have just happened. <laughs> um, so... Um, yeah, I guess I'll do a quick react to that. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, interesting uh, acquisition by the Jazz there just because obviously someone who can fill it up as a scorer when he's on, that's a very key word. He's a, an inconsistent player, but somebody who uh, definitely has shown he can score in bunches in the past. And uh, Wancho, maybe Wancho gets some playing time in Utah. We'll see. Uh, you know, power forward who can stretch the floor a little bit. Uh, it's kind of been all over the place this year. I don't really get much of an opportunity. Sato going to the Spurs is interesting to me because he's like a $10 million contract. But uh, other than that, Blazers probably aren't going to keep Joe Ingles around. Obviously, Joe Ingles has his surgery. Uh, torn ACL, he's out for the year anyway. But he's on an expiring deal, and I could see Joe Ingles getting moved again. Sure. Yeah, no, uh, that's definitely a contract that could be moved. But, uh, yeah, on the the surface, you know, good for them. Good for these teams. Good for these three. Now on to the trades that have significance to them. (laughs) No no offense. Wow. Uh, Hey. Being that guy. So the first one we had was Portland and the Clippers. I'm trying to sound it out now because I'm all over the place. But basically, it had Norman Powell and Rocco, Robert Covington, going to the Clippers. Bravo, Lawrence Frank, first of all, from the Clippers' perspective. That is what you call building towards next year. So now you have Kawhi and Norm back together. You have a legitimate third or fourth scoring option 
somebody that can fill it up on catch shoots, also can put the ball on the floor. He did a damn good job of that. So I like that. I like the versatility that Robert Covington provides as a three slash four slash five. Most of the time, going to be a four slash five. But he's going to allow them to go small, and he's able to switch. Offensively, you know, his, his performances come inconsistently, but that's because he's a low-usage guy. But again, these are two solid, solid vets that are going to help this Clippers roster be ready to compete for a championship by next year. So good on them. Uh, they still got They still might have to find that point guard, but uh, they're in a good. They're in a good position. The Blazers. I'm. You know. Well, hold on about talking about the Blazers because they made other moves, and we can talk about them as a whole. But yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. But then know, I was also thinking to myself, uh, what are they doing? <laughs> well, when it comes to the Clippers, I think it's a very savvy move from the standpoint, like you said, they're looking ahead towards next year. Um, and we'll see. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to have to re-sign Covington because I believe he's an expiring deal. Is okay. that right? Um, maybe I'm wrong there. I have to look that up again. But regardless. Um, Norm we know is locked up. <laughs> Norm is locked up. And what they've done is they've got a, two more swing guys you know, that can play multiple positions and they can shoot. So, and this is what they're trying to do. And this is what they have with Paul George. And this is what they have with Kawhi Leonard. So that is kind of their mentality right now. And like you said, they're preparing for next season. Because remember, they don't have their draft pick. Um, that's going to be going, you know, to the Thunder uh, as part of the uh, Paul George trade. So smart move. They get off Eric Bledsoe, who has another year left in his deal. Um I guess the guy that maybe the Blazers really liked in this deal was Keon Johnson, just a young guy. As they should have. As they yeah. should have. First-round draft pick. You know, we don't really know too much about him. This is one of those things where they gambled on some youth. You thought that they might keep Ke- uh, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker just to see what's up with him since he's so young, but I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, no, he's gone. And then the, all, the only pick that had to be included in this was, you know, a, a second-round pick in 2025. So I get it from both from you know what the Clippers are doing. I think it's a really savvy move by Lawrence Frank and that Clippers front office, and you know they're gearing up for next year. That's all they can do at this point, and they, they're still playing pretty well. I mean, right now they, you know, you look at where the Clippers are at. I mean, they're in the eighth spot. You know, um, they could still be you know in the play-in tournament. You know, at least and they're they're a scrappy team. They're still playing hard, and I don't know if they have any other moves left in them for this year but that move i was like wow that's really good i was i was kind of surprised that the blazers did not get more for those guys but it goes towards bigger plans of i guess what they're trying to do sure yeah and they're clearly looking towards the future um i they did another move we may as well just get to that yeah, one let's get because to that. This, this 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 ties into it this this absolutely ties into it so mentioned earlier in the podcast, C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr. Um, going to New Orleans, um, and they got back, uh, you know, Josh Hart, Sadoransky, who they just flipped over to the Spurs, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who they just flipped over to the Jazz. <laughs> but they still have Didi Lozada. They still have a uh, protected first-rounder this year and uh, a couple of second-rounders. And I think they got more second-rounders in this deal that we just talked about, that three-way. So, um, they are clearly going for the picks. <laughs> They're yes. going for the picks. 
we'll see what happens with Josh Hart. Um, you know, every team could use a Josh Hart. So that that is a good player to have in a rotation in the mix playing, you know, 30 minutes a night. That's a good player to have in there. I'll well, give him that. Let me ask um, you this because CJ is the better is the best player in this trade. Okay, hands down. But he also makes over $30 million a year. And he's a guy that's not known for his defensive prowess. And he's also not a playmaker. He's a shot maker. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because of this. And he's also what? 30, 31 years old. Something like that. 30, Um, yeah. So with Josh Hart, you're talking about a guy who's not as good of a player as CJ. But he's a guy that has some of the same qualities. There's more tools there. There's more yes. tools there. He can get more boards. He can distribute. And he plays better Definitely defense. Definitely defend. Yes. Yep. So he does mm-hmm. some other things. I mean, he's not the prolific scorer that CJ is, but he does a lot of other things. And he costs less than half the money, closer to like about a third of the money. Sure. So is that a good deal from that standpoint when you're talking well, about overall value? If you get, I mean, Josh Hart, yes. Um, I like him a lot. Um, we'll see with Didi. I, I know on the, um, you know, playing for Brazil, a lot of people uh, had a lot to say about him. Uh, and he's really young still, too. Uh, you know, 6'5", 188 pound. Um, you know, small forward that made some noise there on the FIBA circuit. So we'll see on that one. Maybe that can end up being it, looking, looking back at that and saying, oh, he was a throw-in. Maybe that could happen. Um. I think as Alex, Larry as Alex Nance, said though, yeah. with the with the with the Blazers, not to interrupt, uh, it really looks like they're trying to create cap space. They, they are they are definitely trying to figure out a good way to structure a roster around Damian Lillard. Well, there, yeah, there's a couple of things going on here. So, I mean, last thing about that trade: if the Pelicans didn't get Larry Nance Jr. back. I think you could really kind of tear it apart, but because they got that and that went into like an exception they had, that's how that deal works. So, you know, for, for the Pelicans, it's kind of a, Hey, we're starting to get a little bit of momentum. Who knows? We're going to get Zion back if it's this year or next year, but CJ could be, you know, a nice veteran part of this team going forward as we really believe we have a winner here. Um, I don't hate the trade for the Pelicans at all. I I don't hate it. And you know, like I said, you know, it's, they're, they're, it's, they're also looking towards 2023, bro. But, that's, but the that's thing exactly is, like, what they're doing. They don't have like three $40 million salaries, which as we all know is a bad, bad thing because you really lock yourself in, which multiple teams are in the league or in that situation. However, you know, Ingram's making what around 30 a year, something like that. CJ's making over 30, and you're going to have to pay Zion coming up here so you're gonna have guys that are on max deals now they're not going to be on those super max deals but they're going to be on some big money and you're kind of locking yourself in to when it comes to some of your flexibility going forward but for the blazers they're building around damian lillard they're not going to trade him he's staying he's even put out a statement saying i want to be you know here for life i love portland blah 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 q a on nba.com if you want to read that guys yeah, so he's going to be there. They're going to build around him. And, you know, this offseason, if they really wanted to, they could get to like $60 million in cap space, sure. you know, um, with some of the things they would do. Now, mind you, that would also mean like they're waiving a couple of key players on the team like Nurkic. But and I don't expect that to happen. But 
one of the things that they've been you know snooping around on lately is trying to get Jeremy Grant. And the Pistons probably going to keep him unless somebody hits their steep asking price, which sounds like it's at least two first rounders. It may be a player as well. And, uh, you know, Portland, you know, would like him. And maybe that's why Ingles is a better fit for them now from the standpoint that he could be flipped to, you know, the Pistons in a trade because it is an expiring contract. They do have, you know, um, now an extra first round pick that they just got from the Pelicans, you know, in that trade. So do they have the ammunition now they believe to go out and get a Jeremy Grant? I think that would be an overpay. (laughs) I do too. I would not like that, but I'm just saying, I'm just kind of theorizing because that, that has been out there that the Blazers have been aggressive, you know, in going after him. Sure. Sure. I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to leave any stone unturned. We can definitely bank on that part. Sure. Um, but well, what's this cap what, space stuff is interesting to me. Like that they're 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 really preparing for this offseason and the next to really try to make a big time offer to somebody and say, hey, Damian Lillard's here. It, you know, we've changed the roster around a little bit. Let's make something help happen. Can I throw you know, this like, out there too? Not only is this curious what the Blazers are doing, they're doing this with an interim general manager who apparently has been given the green light to do whatever. He really has. It's amazing. I've never seen anything like that. Like, hey, you're the interim guy, but if you want to blow up the team, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it, like, and it, it happened quick. Take the interim tag off him already if we're going to do this. <laughs> Make him accountable for this. Because can, can you imagine somebody else coming in there now? Oh, I think, oh, this dude just blew up the team. And now I got to come in here. Mm-hmm. wonder if Elijah Hughes gets playing time on this team. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing, too, is when you talk about, like, if they get, you know, whatever amount of cap space, which I, I don't think they're going to have $60 million when it's all said and done, but they're going to have a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, um, can they get players that say, I do want to play with Damian Lillard and I do want to go to Portland? Because Portland is another one of these, you know, typically not a free agent destination place. Not as bad as some other locations but you know not a glamour franchise um but they do have a star player that is very well respected and i think a lot of guys would like to play with sure yeah i mean damian lillard for god's sake (laughs) you know and if he's if he's healthy after this you know surgery or whatever he had on his abdomen i mean he's still got a lot of bounce and a lot of shooting and a lot of exciting moments left that injury sounds really scary how severe it was when you start to find out the details yep. of it and everything like it's amazing. He was playing at all this year. And because, I mean, that goes back to the Olympics over the summer yeah. and you know that and we wondered what, Oh my God, he's getting old. He's falling. You know, his game is just fully falling off and everything come to find out. I don't think that's the case. I think we're going to see Dame back to normal next year. You know, once he recovers from the surgery, but that injury sounds like it was really scary and, and was really, really hampering him. It really was, um, and that that sucks because it literally changed the trajectory of the season, <laughs> and like everybody got ousted, you know. Well, Neil everybody Olshay been waiting that. to see. If- Neil Olshay deserved that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, before that all happened, but it's just crazy how quickly it crumbled. Like they had 
they they signed somebody to help win now with with Norman Powell. They had Robert Covington. You still have Nurkic. Um, it, everybody was was killing their offseason when the, you know their best bring-ins were about you know Ben McLemore and uh, Tony Snell from free agency, and then obviously they traded for Larry Nance Jr. But it just it, that happened so quickly that that unraveling just as soon as Dame was showing signs that he wasn't himself. Uh, and then it just the only positives really out of this season for the Blazers for me is the rise of Anthony Simons and Nasir Little and Nasir Little's out for the year. So it's like it just all went downhill for them really, really quickly. Right. So let's talk about some of the other trades that went down in, in the effect on the teams involved. So you mentioned Karis LeVert. So the Pacers trade him to the Cavs for Ricky Rubio and a pick. Where Where's your head at when it comes to how LeVert fits in with the Cavs? Because I guess that's the big question, and people are also wondering too. Like, This is not just a move for this season. It feels like this is a move to re-sign Karras and to make him part of their core. Yeah, no, it certainly could be. I think that uh, that's the positive of this for, for Cleveland is um, you kind of have – your choice um, of who you want to bring back. You also have the ability to to re-sign him and re-sign Colin Sexton. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are are just assuming because Karis LeVert got brought in that Colin's time with the Cavs is over. I, I couldn't think that's further from the truth. I think that the Cavs really want to keep him. Uh, that's from conversations with people around the organization. That's with conversations uh, with people in the media. Um I will say uh, the fit is interesting. So I think that regardless of whether he's starting or coming off the bench, I personally think it would make sense for him to come off the bench. You don't want to mess with what got you here, right? You know, the Cavs are one of the best defensive units in the entire league. Yes, they lack an offense sometimes because Darius Garland is relied upon so heavily and he doesn't have wings that necessarily score, at least right now with Lowry Markinen down and you know, not being at full strength, obviously. Uh, but they're 33 and 21. They're competing for that top seed in the in the Eastern Conference, uh, which is, again, all jumbled up. But at the same time, I think him, I think Karras coming off the bench really would serve them well, uh, staggering him and Garland more often than not uh, because they're both similar with their pick-and-roll skill sets. Karras loves pull-up jumpers. He loves to you know, uh, drive in and, and use his little float uh, tool that he has in his bag. He, he's a lot. The way that uh, JB, JB Bickerstaff described it was that he's silky. His game's silkiness, you know, like, um, you know, he's, he's rangy, uh, long. You know, the defense, it probably will look really solid with those seven-footers behind him. Um, I, I think that Karras also brings that ability for J.B. Bickerstaff to to really find different ways to use him in the rotation. Uh, he could probably play the three in some pinches, um, maybe the four if they want to go small. The matchup, you know, capabilities that the Cavs coaching staff has now is, is astronomical, man. They can play tall ball. They can go small. They have a lot of options. Now, when Darius Garland's on the floor at the same time, Karis LeVert in pinches, I think that, they're really looking forward to seeing what Levert can do off the ball. And that's something that he hasn't really done in, in Indiana this year. 
Um, he's always been on pick and rolls with Sabonis looking over the top. Um, the, the other thing, too, about the, the Cavs that is advantageous for Levert is that he has lob threats. And Rajon Rondo brought that up earlier this week. He's reunited with his buddy Jared Allen from the Nets, the team that I just eviscerated for getting rid of. The Cavs now have two core pieces from that team. Uh, you know, Karras is also going to have Kevin Love waiting on the wings for some three-pointers. He's going to be able to throw some pocket passes over to Evan Mobley, who's going to slip some some screens and, and whatnot. Um, I, I don't think it's like a home run fit by any means. I think that a lot of his numbers uh, can be inflated sometimes because of the responsibility that was put on him as the leader of this this Pacers offense with so many injuries in between, um, having the usage that he had. I know that people are going to look at 42 points, and yeah, he's able to get 42 points, but how, how many shots? How efficiently is he going to do that, right? I think Karras becomes a more efficient player, though, with these Cavs because of how much they share the wealth and how much they, they share the joy with one another uh, in seeing each other succeed. And that's the number one thing that was on Cleveland's list was to not disrupt the chemistry and the good vibes that were happening. And I, I think character-wise, this works really well. Uh, it makes you even deeper. You're going to have some real decisions to come up with when it comes to playoff rotations. Who's the odd man out? But those are good problems to have for a Cavs team that just got itself a wing that can play, make, and can score. And essentially is a hybrid role of what you lost with Rubio and Sexton. And that's the thing when it comes to Rubio is that as good of a fit as he had been on the court and behind the scenes, with him being an expiring contract and as well as this team has played, it was too good of an asset to keep. And they had to do something, I felt. You know, Levert, you know, was a good get for them overall. I don't think it was a great get, but we'll see how it works out. I think it's a really good fit and a calculated fit, like you said, you know, to go out and get him. And then on the flip side, when it comes to the Pacers, so they're going to get, you know, a pick out of this. And they still Great have deal Ru- for the Pacers. Great deal. Um, and and they know, still it's, have it's Rubio. lottery protected, and they get, a, a, you know, a second rounder, another right. second rounder. One of those second rounders is via Houston, so that's essentially another first-round pick this year. Absolutely. The Utah pick is, is in 2027. Now the Cavs will get one uh, from back from the Pacers, a 2022 second-round pick via Miami. But I feel like they're coming out of this really well, and I'm sure we're going to get into the other deals that the Pacers have made but here's because the other they're thing kickstarting too. this thing. Yeah, but the Pacers, I mean, they have Rubio, and he's still, you know, still got that expiring contract, and he could be flipped again, you know, before the deadline. So they have that asset of, and that's a $17 million contract. And on top of that, uh, the Pacers have just made this trade out of nowhere with the Sacramento Kings. And I say out of nowhere because while everybody thought there was a chance that Sabonis was going to get traded, what they didn't see was it being to Sacramento for Tyrese Halliburton. So the entire deal there is, so Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday uh, end up at Sacramento. The Pacers get Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, and a 2027 second round pick. So it's one of those Sacramento wants to win right now by getting Sabonis in an exchange. They give up their young, exciting point guard in Halliburton. And they also have to include Buddy Heald in it 
because of the uh, making the trade work financially. And it sounds it sounds all, all things right now. Exact low of ESPN has said that um, teams have been calling about Buddy Heel, but it looks like you know the Pacers are going to hold on to him for now. He is not going to be traded again before the deadline. But this is a trade that um, a lot of Kings fans were very upset by, and um, a lot of people you know talking about these deals when it comes to the follow the league say, what are the Kings thinking? Because I, I I thought that like if they were going to move one of their point guards, it made sense to move De'Aaron Fox because of the money and just everything we've seen from him so far and, and the potential of Halliburton and also his contract right now. But either they didn't want to move Fox or the Pacers weren't interested in Fox. And the talk around the league was like, if we had known that Halliburton was available, we would have made an offer. And who oh, yeah. knows where he would have gone, you know? So this kind of came out of nowhere. And now when it comes to Sacramento, I know they're trying to make this push to get into the play-in tournament, which, you know, that's the broken record. And what a, what a goal to aspire to is the you know play-in tournament. Um, but they just traded two shooters to, you know, get Sabonis, who's a very good player. But now the Kings don't have any shooting. I... So I feel a little differently about some of my peers on this trade. As much as I admire Tyrese Halliburton, who is an excellent player, he can play off the ball, he can handle the ball for you, play make, step back shots, catch shoots. He can do it all. Defend. He's rangy. He's long. First position especially. I think that we're getting a little too away from how good De'Aaron Fox is. I think we're getting away a little too much from how good Domas Sabonis is. You now have a two all-star pairing between them now, okay? Maybe they're not going to be able to shoot the ball all that well, okay? And I get that. Can they defend, but too? Let's Yes, and that's that's another part of it, okay? You're going to really have to to go all in on the offensive end. I understand that. But you did just draft another point guard. You drafted Davion Mitchell. And you're going to have to make a decision between those three. And why get rid of the sure thing? I feel like De'Aaron Fox is a sure thing. I feel like Domas Sabonis is a sure thing. I love Tyrese Halliburton. He could absolutely be a superstar. But is he a sure thing? Is we only he, have a year and a half he, of him so far, yeah. Exactly. That that's that's the only thing that I'm saying. I feel like we're disrespecting what De'Aaron Fox brings to the table. I think that because of the the production that he's had the last year and a half, mind you, after Tyrese Halliburton was brought to the mix, okay, this was bringing in. You you have added guard after guard for two straight years um, to this. Um, I think that we're we're definitely short-sighted on this and and people are acting as if they mortgage the future yes Tyrese Halliburton is 21 years old I get that but De'Aaron Fox just turned 24 in December like dude how how young do you want teams to go guess how old Domas Sabonis is 25 he's 25 years old he turns 26 in May whoop the freaking do 26 you may as well just go in the retirement home like Come on, guys. They got two All-Stars out of this. I thought they, I didn't say they they would win the trade, but I don't think they lost the trade by like a, a mile. I understand that efficiency is the end thing. 
and Tyrese Halliburton, extremely, extremely smart player. Somebody who, understandably, why the, the fan base is upset is because Tyrese said that he wanted to change the culture in Sacramento. He wanted to make sure that uh, you know the Kings weren't seen as a joke in the league. I get all that. And yeah, I probably wouldn't have moved him either. But you have to move somebody really good in order to get an all-star back. And uh, Domas Sabonis, I know that that people think he's borderline all-star. I think his game is excellent. I think he is one of the most proficient, smart players uh, in the the mid-post that there is, whether that's, you know, attacking on his own, um, off the ball, uh, being able to to receive passes, uh, making the passes himself. Uh, He's just... He's really good. He's really good. And I think that, yeah, the roster isn't exactly where you want it to be this year. And even if you're aiming for play-in and don't make it, it sucks. I I get that. Um, But you still have, I feel like you, after a draft, maybe after an offseason in a way that you do it, you can make this work. And these are the two you're building around. I think it's okay to build around a 25-year-old and 24-year-old. I think that's okay. I don't know. But now, I'm saying this uh, from the Kings side. Again, I think the Pacers have knocked it out of the freaking park the way that they have executed this trade deadline so far by acquiring picks, acquiring very, very good young talent. This is how it's supposed to go. You're now going to be building around Tyrese Halliburton, and you're going to have you know Chris Duarte there. Isaiah Jackson, you still have Malcolm Brogdon. We'll see what happens there because who knows? Brogdon and Halliburton are very similar, but at the same time, Halliburton could play either the one or the two, as we've seen. Um, you have you know a lot of potential there now in Indiana. We'll see what happens with, with T.J. Warren. We don't know what's going to happen with T.J. Warren. Um, this is just all looking from a, a looking forward perspective, of course. And they have Miles uh, you Turner have Buddy, as well. Say, you have Buddy Heald. You have... You know, Tory Gregg. We'll see if he uh, he he gets moved at the deadline. But we'll. What I'm saying is, though, basically, is that they they have a good head start on on the rebuild that we have not seen, in I, I don't know how long. I mean, they they've constantly retooled and retooled, but I have never seen them go from scratch. But they're going from scratch with somebody that's not starting from scratch, and that's what's good about this. And they added picks. And that I think they've added a lot of flexibility too. So they get the picks, they get some younger guys, and they get contracts too. That like if they want to flip Buddy Heald in the offseason, they can do that. If they want to move Malcolm Brogdon, who will still have I believe two years left on his deal because he has signed oh, an extension. Oh, he signed the extension. Yeah. So he, you know, it's what was it two years, forty five million, something like that. So you know, they could flip him, um, and I think that's something that they they might look to do. You know, in the offseason. Uh, and like you said, TJ Warren is out there, but you know, they get a good core, you know, they've got Halliburton, they've got Duarte, like you said, and you know, they got miles Turner. So they've, they chosen between their two bigs and Turner. Wow, I'm an idiot. I left out Turner <laughs> and, 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 and Turner has already said, like, I'm so excited to play with Halliburton, you yep. know, um, he's shown all this, you know, he's talked about that, like all these different videos on social media and different stuff that he's, you know, out there doing and so whatnot. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it's you know I think people are really excited and intrigued by what the Pacers are doing when it comes to their you know not re you know rebuild but their the retooling. Right, right. I don't know. 
before we get out of here, do we expect any other big moves before the deadline on Thursday? No Harden Simmons move. That's all I'll say. I, I don't yeah. think that that's going to happen. I don't think Jeremy Grant's going anywhere. I think the biggest name that probably gets moved would be Eric Gordon. Like that. That that is probably what I'm. Again, this is all speculation. This is just what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't, I I think the fireworks happened. I don't know. I there's don't, only I don't one other firework. I, yeah, the only other one that I could see is if L.A. says, that's it. We've got to get off Russell Westbrook. And here's the reason why I say that, because all the talk has been this morning following their blowout loss to the Bucks, And this is another game where Russ was not engaged. Russ, to me, looked lost. He had no confidence. He had no swagger. Um, turning down shots, getting booed by uh, the Laker home crowd again. And... After the game, LeBron was very succinct in saying, we're not on their level. We're not even close. He came as close as he's come to saying what we did in the offseason was an absolute mistake. Russ is now firing at Frank Vogel saying, I don't understand his rotations at all. He keeps changing the starting lineup. He's changing this, keeps changing that. Um, he was like, hey, he can do that because he's the coach, but I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. He doesn't talk to me about it. Um, Russ is upset that he's not in there, you know, at the end of games. Um, their comeback win against the Knicks. He was not in there for the overtime. Um, when the Lakers kind of came back against Milwaukee and made it a 10-point game, Russ did not come in. But in fact, he was out of the game with, I think, like three or four minutes left to go in the third quarter. So... And all the talk coming out of L.A. now is in the locker room. Even the players know this is an absolute disaster. And it's worse than anybody could have ever imagined. And they have to do something. But the problem is they don't have any assets to do anything because nobody wants Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, Kendrick Nunn is not going to play this year, it sounds like. Um, they've even said now he's not going to come back until at least March. And Frank Vogel has flat out said that there is a possibility that uh, – he is not going to play at all this season. And they've got this 2027 pick, which I can't imagine them trading unless it was for something really good. And I don't see that. So maybe they just finally say, whatever it takes, we got to get off of Russ because this is just an overwhelming bad attitude in the locker room where this is going. All of this, there, there's a stench in the locker room and Russ is not the only person to blame but that's a big part of it. And with the way that he is projecting right now, which is downhill very, very quickly, that's just like, let's just take a, another lump right now. Let's admit it. Let's move on from it. Whether that's, can we get John wall for him? Can we somehow, you know, put a Jedi mind trick on the Knicks to get can multiple you reverse, players? Can you, I know this is not possible. Can, can you reverse rule? the trade? That's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I threw up because somebody, the, cause the Wizards are now going down to the dumpster with Ben right, Bradley Beals out for the year. And, the Wizards are tanking. I even said, I go, you know what? If they did that trade, I go, I even think the Lakers would be willing to throw in that 2027 pick for that. Um, <laughs> which is funny because they actually gave up a pick to get Russ. It's amazing. Uh, I, I mean, there, there has to be some soul searching there. And I mean, we can sit here. I know LeBron has to, you know, whether he's going to totally say it or not. 
I doubt it, but you can already tell he's like, uh, that was a bad decision. And he's still, he's still working with Rob Palenka, but Palenka is the guy that at the end of the day is the one that's going to make the moves. And I know there's a loyalty with him and that franchise and the people that run it, you know, but he's not, he's not good at his doing his job. He's just not. And it's, you know, there, you know, Kurt Rambis is not good at doing his job as well, but Palenka is the one that's got the more front facing job. And um, we'll see if they do something in the off season with that. But this thing is a mess. It's gotten even messier. It's getting even uglier. The locker room knows it. And I don't know what else they can do outside of that. I mean, the Lakers have been linked to a couple other trades. I just don't see it. The the one thing I think they desperately want to do is if they could say, let's wipe our hands clean of Russ right now, they will do it. But I think that's going to be extremely difficult. And this is probably going to be, well, you got to ride this to the off season and know that this is a failure. And what are we going to do better to not let this happen again? And that that includes they're going to move off Ross in the offseason somehow, some way. Um, and they might even have to include picks to do that. But um, it's an absolute train wreck, right? They're, and they, they, they're admitting it now, too. It's, it's not that we just see it. It's that they're admitting it. Yeah. I was going to say, when it came out in the public, I read that last night. Because I'm not trying – because Lord knows uh, – when you're this close to the trade deadline, you don't go to bed until like three and then you wake up at nine. Like, you know, like this, this is what you have to do. But when I saw that, when I saw Russ's comment, I was like, oh. And then I saw LeBron's press conference next to Anthony Davis when they asked him if he could get to the level of the Bucks. He said, no. And well, like, how about oh. the part before that where he was calling out guys going, come the end of the day, everybody's got to do their damn job and play hard. And I was like, oh. While wearing, a, while wearing an awards mean nothing hat. By right. The way. Well, how about the uh, the quick clip video that came out where once the Lakers knew they were out of that game, like they had that comeback, and then the Bucks said, "Okay, we'll we'll take care of this right now," and they did. So with like twenty seconds left in the game, LeBron and AD are sitting next to each other, heads down, mumbling to one another, and then of all people, Russell Westbrook comes over and pats them both on the shoulder with a smile on his face, going. Tough one, guys. We'll get him next time. And like LeBron and AD barely even look up. And they're like, what are you talking about? Hey, that's ultimate teammate Russell Westbrook to you. If he even if he even if he's not playing up to par this year, at least he's being a good guy, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Now that we're done, I'm 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 done until this is this is over, and then maybe we can talk about some bio candidates or whatever we, down down the line, next podcast, whatever it may be. We spent 70 minutes talking about trades. Meanwhile, you know, there's this Greek freak that just runs over everybody in his damn path that we should be talking about. Giannis going off for 44, 14 boards and eight assists and just absolutely mauling the Lakers. I think he missed three shots that whole game. Uh, Ridiculous. It was a 44 and 14, I believe, that he put up. Yeah. We've got yeah. that. Well, hey, by the way, that, that wasn't that wasn't just his, his normal, you know, uh, on cuts going in, in transition and, uh, you know, just dunking over everybody. He was hitting turnaround faders. He was hitting those on, on the baseline. And if he develops that, it's just like, oh, God, this dude has it figured out. Everybody else is screwed. But that's one. That's one thing. How about the Suns who just 
don't lose in the clutch. They don't lose in the fourth quarter. They did lose to the Hawks, but the Hawks are kind of red hot right now. Uh, But the Suns, second night of a back-to-back going to Philly, another hot team. They win that game. I watched that that contest against the Bulls, and that was a fun, fun game to watch just execution-wise. They are just... This is the thing that irks me about our our industry is that this is like an amazing season that Philly, that Phoenix is having. Like if you just watch them as a team, they just know where each other's going to be. They know their next move to their next move. It doesn't matter who's on the bench. doesn't matter who's in the starting lineup, even though they've had a continuous starting lineup here for a while uh, when healthy. It's just, it all clicks. Like JaVale McGee is the one that's been their MVP the last two games. And he was almost out of their rotation because, you know, Bismack Biombo came into the into the the you know into the feed. And then you have DeAndre Ayton coming back. So you're like, okay, who's gonna be the odd man out now? Like they're just a damn good team. And I'm just watching them and and just shaking my head at how smart and how you know What's the word for it? I don't know, ahead of the game they are than everybody else? Well, they're just so clutch. I mean, did you see the stat that StatMuse put out there that the Suns are 22-3 and in clutch games this year? Devin Booker is shooting 67.7% in the clutch. Chris Paul is shooting 57.1%. Like, that's ridiculous. They know how to close out And by the way, it's hilarious when you watch these games that Chris Paul is just getting... These these young cats on the on the rip through, like at least once or twice a game. They don't know how to keep their hand out of the cookie jar. It's really funny. Oh, and when you play the Suns, you better spot them at least fifteen, because Devin Booker just comes out of the gates. Just hold on, buddy. We have another trade. As we close this out, the Miami Heat have acquired a twenty twenty six second round pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder in a trade for KZ Akpala. KZ gets a shot on OKC. Good for him. Good for him. There you go. Oklahoma City has traded a draft pick. And now they only have 3,300 left. (laughs) (laughs) Quick notes before we get out of here. Again, uh, just going through some hot teams right now. The Celtics are sizzling. They're sizzling um, in their winning ways. Starting lineup really coming together. Marcus Smart, big three-point performance uh, last night in addition to what Jason Tatum has been doing, uh, even when he's getting doubled, knowing how to find his guys. Um, you know, that they're, they're, they're clicking right now and good for them. They're up to 31 wins. Now look out, look out. Uh, they're starting to figure it out a little bit. So, uh, they're climbing up the Raptors also climbing up because Pascal Siakam, I've watched so many Raptors games here in the last week and oh my gosh, he looks like he's back to himself making plays for his teammates. Um, you know, Scotty Barnes is a joy to watch. Fred Van Vliet, very, very clutch himself. Uh, they've, they've got a real good thing going on there in, in Toronto, and, and they enjoy to have each other's company, man. Um, Timberwolves, same thing, on a really, really solid stretch at the moment. Cat playing his ass off. Malik Beasley over the last six, averaging like 18 a game. That was somebody that was also rumored to go at the deadline, so we'll see how that shakes out. But, uh, yeah, these are, these are some hot teams right now. The Warriors, we obviously have to mention, because no one talks about them anymore, I guess. <laughs> you know, Clay's looking great. 
you know, Steph, Steph's not, it's not just Steph and the rest anymore, guys. It's, it's that, that Warriors teams, they're back. They're back. And, uh, they still don't even have Draymond back yet. So, um, good luck. Good luck. But there's, there's some really good basketball going on right now is basically what I'm trying to get across. So enjoy the basketball. Enjoy the product, the actual product. Not the 2K game of real life that everybody's trying to play. I say as I tell the kids to get off my lawn. (laughs) That's going to wrap it up for us here at Keeping It 94. Again, basketballnews.com podcast network. Brought to you by Ticket Smarter. Brought to you by Prize Picks. Our favorite sponsors. Spencer Davies, I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies as well. Brian Fritz, he's at Brian Fritz on Twitter and at It's Brian Fritz on Instagram. Our podcast network is second to none. Please, please, please to remember to subscribe, rate, review The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy just had Mike Scotto on of Hoops Hype, so make sure you go listen to that. The rematch with the Ton Thomas, Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies, and of course, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. Guys, the trade deadline is coming up. It's coming up quick. Actually, by the time this recording is ending, it's going to be 24 hours away. So hopefully this information is still valid to you by the and, time you listen to it. And everybody can get more trade analysis as we'll be doing a live stream broadcast on Thursday beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern, which you can follow along on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. Yes, it will be live. It will be fun. We even have really cool graphics. Just look at our social channels. Make sure to follow us on our social channels. And most importantly, please, please, please leave a comment. Interact with us. Love, love, love to have conversation. So again, keep it at 94. Your boy, Spencer Davies. Brian Fritz, salute. Goodbye to the trade deadline once it is gone. I will not miss you. I'll not be counting down the days until next year's. But we'll be talking buyout probably by this time next week. So, so long. And everybody enjoy their week.